0: John 16 open, that's where the message is from this morning, sin, righteousness, and judgment. I've got a question for you as I open. Have you ever had, it's an intimate question, have you ever known an outpouring of God's Spirit on your life? Or in church life, have there been moments where you've known God very close? closer, and you would say, he's more real to me in these moments than even the furniture I'm sitting on. Have you ever had those types of moments with the living God, where you just know that you're his? Um, in the 1950s, there was a car called the Austin 7. Do you remember it? Did you have one? And um, Just before then, there was a revival in the Hebride Islands in Scotland, and the main minister involved in that was called Duncan Campbell, and uh, Duncan Campbell and five other men were all traveling in the 1950s in an Austin 7, and they were all crammed in, and someone asked Duncan Campbell about his experiences of God back in the revival there in 1949 and 50, and he said, boys, God was closer to me than you are now. One of those moments is coming for the disciples, uh, verse 7, But I tell you the truth, it's for your good that I'm going away, says Jesus. Unless I go away, the Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. So it's good news for the disciples that the Lord Jesus is going back to the Father from where he came. Because that means mission accomplished. And he'll be at the Father's side And then the Holy Spirit will come and equip the church to carry on the message as Jesus is reigning from heaven. So the Spirit is really the leader in church evangelism. That's the promise here for Jesus, from Jesus. And they already had the Spirit, because no one can ever become a Christian without the Holy Spirit. And he's already said in the previous two chapters, you already know the Spirit. But, ladies and gentlemen, the Spirit is coming in power. One of those moments where God is more real to you than the furniture. And he says in chapter 15, 26, When the Spirit comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, he will testify about me. So, the role of the Holy Spirit is to testify about Jesus and who he was and is and forevermore shall be. So there we are. There, and now my question again, um, have you ever had a moment where the Spirit makes the things of God really real? If you haven't, I'm going to ask another question. What's it like when the Holy Spirit has a great outpouring upon church life? What's it like? All right, what, how, will this church make a spiritual impact on Cardiff if we are with the Spirit? What does it look like? A great closeness and work of God. My friend said to me once, Owen, if we have a revival in Wales again and a great outpouring of the Spirit, do you know what will happen? I said, what? He said, we'll all have a massive headache. It's interesting, isn't it? What did he mean? He means this, When God's Spirit moves in church and in a community or in your life, sometimes it can be very, very uncomfortable because there are certain things that just come out that you've been hiding away. So, what is it to have a moment of the Holy Spirit? Are you ready? I'm going to read verses 8 to 11. What is this closeness of God? 8 to 11. When He comes, He will convict the world of guilt In regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. What is it to have the Holy Spirit working in your life and in church? Well, he convicts people. For what? For not believing in Jesus. That's the great work of the Holy Spirit. So let me repeat the ancient Christian message to everyone this morning and pray that the Spirit changes us. So it does us good. You ready? I declare to the world the ancient message of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't believe or trust in Him, that is sin. That's sin. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts people. For what? Not trusting God. Jesus. Well, that's uncomfortable, isn't it? Guess what? I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. My dog is a sinner. But guess what? I'll tell you what she did yesterday, but I'll save it for a sermon illustration, but you won't believe what she did yesterday, but that's for another day. But you don't have to remain a sinner. You can be a saint. What is sin? Sin. Do you remember when you were young and you memorized the question number 14 of the Westminster Shorter Catechism? Do you remember? Did you do that? The question is, what is sin? What's the answer? You memorized it. We all did. Didn't you? Sin is the transgression of or any want of conformity unto the law of God. That's good, is it? Why don't we speak like that anymore? Those were the good old days. It's the transgression of. Or any want of conformity unto the law of God. What does that mean? It means you live in God's world and you break his rules. Well, that's sin. And John chapter 16 says, we actually do bad things. Why? Because we don't trust Jesus. We trust ourselves too much. We don't trust his ways. The GPs, they sometimes tell me, oh, in the issue isn't the issue that rash is a symptom of something else. I'm not saying they've ever said that to me personally, but they might say, that rash is a symptom of something else. Psychologists say, Owen, the issue isn't the issue. The lack of sleep isn't the issue. It's a symptom of an issue that's causing the rash or the lack of sleep. And John says, all the sins that we commit on planet Earth is a symptom of something greater, the great disease of not trusting Jesus. That's what this passage says. The guilt of the world, the sin of the world, is to not trust Jesus. The core of our being seems to be out of sync with the core of his being. And we enjoy it that way too often. So we go off and we do bad things. Do you remember going to those old um, fairgrounds and there was that game, Whack-A-Mole? Remember that? Up he pops, and you whack him. And then if you miss him, he pops up over here, and you whack him. Did you ever do that one? Well, you haven't done the Westminster Catechism. You haven't done the whack-a-moles. You haven't lived. These are good times. And uh, some people try and get right with God, and they do it like this. When a sin pops up, they whack it. And they go, don't you love me? But then what happens five minutes later? Another one pops up, and they've got to whack that one. Don't you love me? And then three more whack-a-mole things pop up, and you've got to go whack, 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 and you'll miss some. And then you'll think, ah, nuts, you're not going to love me anymore, because my whole relationship was based on me trying to treat these symptoms and whack things out of my life. Stop swearing. I don't give a monkeys if you swear or not. What I give a monkeys about is there's something greater going on underneath. Who do we trust? Before you go whack-a-mole, who do you trust? in life and death, because you could not swear, it doesn't mean you love Jesus, you see? So people listening today, um, and it was me when I was 19, I think, as a whole, as a whole, we need to step into the trust of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not the little bits of sin, but the fundamental problem of as a whole, I don't think I'm fully trusting the Lord. That's the world's problem as a whole. We don't trust the Lord. And then what happens is the Spirit shows you that. And one day you just go, oh yeah, oh yeah. And then you sing sing these words that you've also memorized. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross, and i too high, bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, Oh, my soul, as a whole. You don't fight the moles. You say, Lord, uh, I just need entirely saving, please, save me. And then over time, you'll start whacking the moles, but as children of God, fully loved as Jesus himself is loved by the Father, And so I wonder, is the spirit moving in Cardiff in 2023, or in this church, or to you as you watch at home? Are you being drawn as a whole to align yourself and cast yourself into the arms of the Lord Jesus Christ? Perhaps he's been drawing you. Perhaps you know that sin is bad and you're out of sync. Perhaps today is the day you say, as a whole, I'm coming home Perhaps uh, in the build-up to this sermon, you've sometimes been pricked by the Lord's spiritual calling about sin. Perhaps you saw the sun this morning, and you remembered a beauty you were taught of in Sunday school, that the Lord is the creator of that beautiful sun, and you think, oh, there is someone beautiful out there. Perhaps um, I was in a, an assembly last week, and all the children were singing how the Lord made the, made the sun, and the stars, and it was wonderful, and perhaps, I don't know, in the build-up to this sermon, the Lord's been drawing you back to think, huh, huh, am I out of sync with this beauty? Perhaps you're in that season of life where you've now got a grandchild, and you think, she's beautiful, and I want the best for my grandchild, and you know the best for your grandchild is God, so he's drawing you back. Or perhaps this week or last week you've taken drugs, or you've lied, and you've stolen, and you've cheated those that you love even, and God's Spirit was telling you, convicting you, you should be home, but you're lost, and you think, I am distant. What does God think of this? And suddenly we get these reminders by the Spirit of God, I'm living in his world, he's beautiful I want him for my loved ones, but do I have him myself? I've broken his laws, and God is holy, and I've watched things I shouldn't. I've said things I shouldn't. I've harbored hate, resentment. And the Lord starts to speak. And perhaps now you're listening to this sermon, and the answer is abundantly clear in John chapter 16 of what we all need to do. As the Spirit convicts us of sin, we say, as a whole... I've sinned. As a whole, I come. I haven't believed Jesus. But help me to do it now. I've sinned. He doesn't want our excuses because they're not truthful anyway. He doesn't want us to say, I didn't mean to do it because at the time we did. He doesn't want us to say, I didn't intend to do it. It overpowered me because at the time... We loved it, and that's the work of God's Spirit. I've sinned, and he loves me so much he's convicted me and stirred me up this morning to come home and know the embrace of God. That's a headache in church life when you confess your sins to God and to your friends that you've hurt and to your minister. It's a glorious headache of people coming home. So my question again, ladies and gentlemen, how does a spirit in spiritually empowered church, make an impact in people's lives. When the Spirit's at work, what does a movement of God really feel like when he draws close? Well, he also convicts people of, verse 10, righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. So according to the Bible, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is the righteousness of God. Jesus, and when he's no longer visible, The Holy Spirit will get to work in our lives and in church life reminding us of the righteousness of Jesus. That he is who he truly says he is. So welcome to Park End Church everybody. It's a wonderful message. Here's the message. I know it's pretty grim in the world at the moment, isn't it? Feels dark, doesn't it? But there really is beauty. There really is hope. There really is righteousness which I just don't see on the news at the moment it's not me I'm not the righteous one it's not my boyfriend or girlfriend because they're doing my head in who is the hope and the righteous one the Holy Spirit will say to you Jesus he's the heavenly man that the whole world is crying out for even if it doesn't know it as you watch the news as we treat each other so unheavenly. The message of the church is this. We're not righteous, but there is one. And not only that, we can share in His righteousness. That's the hope. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have sinned last week, like me, whatever you've done, this moment in this church, you can share in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Spirit loves to do. He wants you home. Even if you've been unrighteous all your life, the Holy Spirit, when he gets a hold of someone, you'll say, I want to share in a righteousness not my own. That's the only hope I've got. What happens to someone who asks, help, I'm unrighteous, what do I need to do? I'm glad you asked. Here's the answer for the unrighteous people in this room and listening at home. There's a story in the Bible of a man who runs away. He's been eating pig food. He ignores his father, but he wants to come home. He's been unrighteous. And what happens to someone who hasn't met the righteous mark? Well, no other religion teaches this, so pay attention. It's when he was still far off that God sees him and runs to him. And doesn't just run to him. He grabs his best kingly fatherly robe and puts it around the sinner who has been unrighteous. And all of a sudden, whose coat is it? The father's, it's the best in the house. It's now on you. And now you look as dazzling as the father and as respectable as the father. And that's God's righteousness given to you, sinner. You didn't earn it, but he gave it. If you want the fancy old term, it's called justification by faith. The righteous good standard of the Lord Jesus Christ is just put on you, and you are declared a child of God. Let me teach you something about righteousness. It's called double imputation. And don't think this is too complicated, because when I was in the valleys, little primary school children understood this, and their lives were changed forever. Are you ready? Follow my words regarding righteousness. And don't ever forget this. Double imputation. Righteousness. Double imputation. The Christian message is this. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. The world lacks righteousness. Here's how to sort that problem out. We put our bad account to the Son of God. You have it. I'm going to put it on you. Everything I've ever done, Jesus goes on you, imputed to him. Think of it like this. Let's say you go to your cash machine, uh, wherever it is now. It's in Kefili, isn't it? The nearest cash machine. And um, you prep your bank account, it says zero. Now, actually, it doesn't just say zero. It says, like, minus a million. What are you going to do about that? Well, you could do this. You could go to our church treasurer, Chris, and you could say, you could say, if you say please, Could say, Chris, can you take my debt on? Could I put my debt to your church account? He might say yes. You could try him later. (laughs) And what happens is, if he does say yes, your debt gets imputed to the church account. Your bad record of bad debts gets given to Chris. Chris goes to the cash machine in Caffilly, checks the balance, minus a million. Imputed, understand? Put to Chris's account. And shockingly, at Calvary, the Christian message, when you believe Jesus um, and trust him, this is half of what happens. This is half of how you're a Christian. Your unrighteousness gets put to Christ's account. Gone. Minus in the debt. He gets punished. That's only half the message because it wasn't single imputation. It's double imputation because the Holy Spirit does the double thing, not just the single thing. The other imputation is this, Chris's church account gets then put to yours. So you go to Kefili, check your balance, you've got all the funds of Park End Church, now you're not just cleared, but you're positively in the green, is that the color of the good one or is it red? The, the good color, brown, black. black, you're in the black. And not just that, you've got all the Presbyterian Church of Denominations account in your bank as well, so suddenly you've got all this access and opportunity that you never had before, because their account gets put to yours, imputation. And so it is with Christ; His righteousness, when the Holy Spirit's at work, and you're just be like, "Whoa, that is actually the hope of the world." Gets put to your account, not just yours to His. We often do this stuff in our preaching; we don't often do this way. Comes back. See, the Lord Jesus Christ was the most holy and wonderful human that ever lived. He was as righteous on earth as he was in heaven before he came. In in Isaiah chapter 6, there's a vision of Jesus on the throne. John chapter 6 says it's Jesus. Do you know what all the created angels are doing around him? Because he's so righteous, they just say, holy, holy, holy. And then on earth, he was holy holy, holy, and listen carefully, that is the record that gets put to your account when you believe in Jesus, and the Holy Spirit loves it when you do it. I remember my friend asking me, what's your name, Christian? I said, Owen. He said, wrong. I said, oh. He said, your name in the courts of heaven this morning before God the Father himself is holy, 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 holy even though I'm not but I am because the work of Christ for me and some of you need to hear that because you're down in the dumps because you sinned a lot but you are children and you will leave this room as holy as when you entered it even though you've sinned last week holy 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 you are utterly loved to hell and back forevermore and that's double imputation don't ignore the righteousness that the Spirit convicts the world of. Ask for it, and it shall be yours. That's your hope. And then the final thing, and it's about six sentences long, what else does the Spirit do when He moves? He judges. He convicts the world about judgment because the Prince of this world now stands condemned. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the work of a Spirit-filled church to spread this message in the power of the Spirit. And listen up. Jesus has defeated the devil. That's your message. This passing age and its evil ruler has been utterly defeated by the cross and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the world needs to know that so that it can escape this passing world of darkness and enter the kingdom of glorious light and have their fears taken away. Fears tomorrow morning taken away. Friends, is it me or does it feel like darkness is closing in from all angles at the moment? So remember this and believe it, the darkness has lost. So hold on and trust Jesus because very soon his light will come and remain here forevermore. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, let's sing his praises.